Good morning. Today is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. Our readings for today, our readings for this morning, rather, are Psalm 38, Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 12 and and that's it <laughs> that's how we're doing things today from the rising of the sun to its setting my name shall be great among the nations and in every place incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations says the Lord of hosts. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have, gra Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has shown forth her glory. Come. Let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before their presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to them with psalms. For she is a great God and a great queen above all gods. In their hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are theirs also. The sea is theirs, for they made it, and their hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For she is our God, and we are the people of her pasture and the sheep of her hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to her voice. God has shown forth her glory. Come, let us adore them. Psalm 38. O oh God, do not rebuke me in your anger, or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, 
and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. They weigh like a burden too heavy for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day long I go around mourning. For my, lo for my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O oh God, all my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my affliction, and my neighbors stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek to hurt me speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like the deaf, I do not hear, like the mute who cannot speak. Truly, I am like one who does not hear, and in whose mouth is no retort. But it is for you, O God, that I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I pray, only do not let them rejoice over me, those who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Those who are my foes without cause are mighty, and the many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good are my adversaries, because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 29. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was peopled. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed by Blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. May God make space for Japheth, and let him live in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle G, a song of Ezekiel. I will take you from among all nations and gather you from all lands to bring you home. I will sprinkle clean water upon you 
and purify you from false gods and uncleanness. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit put within you. I will take the stone heart from your chest and give you a heart of flesh. I will help you walk in my laws and cherish my commandments and do them. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us go on toward perfection, leaving behind the basic teaching about Christ and not laying again the foundation. Repentance from dead works, repentance from dead works and faith toward God, instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away since on their own they are crucifying again the Son of God and are holding him up to contempt. Ground that drinks up the rain falling on it repeatedly and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and on the verge of being cursed. Its end is to be burned over. Even though we speak in this way, beloved, we are confident of better things in your case things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not overlook your work and the love that you showed for his sake in serving the saints, as you still do. And we want each one of you to show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope to the very end, so that you may not become sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us affirm our faith together by saying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, their only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. 
Our God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In place of the suffrages, we will use the litany for healing found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2. Page 33, let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. And I would invite you now to speak aloud the name of those that you pray for. God the Creator, your will for all people is health and salvation. We praise you and thank you, O Lord. God the Son, you came that we might have life and might have it more abundantly. We praise you and thank you, O God. God the Holy Spirit, you make our bodies the temple of your presence. We praise you and thank you, O God. Holy Trinity, one God, in you we live and move and have our being. We praise you and thank you, O God. Lord, grant your healing grace to all who are sick, injured, or disabled, that they may be made whole. Hear us, O God of life. Grant to all who seek your guidance and to all who are lonely, anxious, or despondent a knowledge of your will and an awareness of your presence. Hear us, O God of life. Mend broken relationships and restore those in emotional distress to soundness of mind and serenity of spirit. Hear us, O God of life. Bless physicians, nurses, and all others who minister to the suffering, granting, us, granting them wisdom and skill, sympathy and patience. Hear us, O God of life. Grant to the dying peace and a holy death and uphold by the grace and consolation of your Holy Spirit, those who are bereaved. Hear us, O God of life. Restore to wholeness whatever is broken by human sin in our lives, in our nation, and in the world. Hear us, O God of life. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your power among the peoples. With you, O God, is the well of life, and in your light we see light. Hear us, O God of life. Heal us and make us whole. Let us pray. God in heaven, you have promised to hear what we ask in the name of your Son. Accept and fulfill our petitions, we pray, not as we ask in our ignorance, nor as we deserve in our sinfulness, but as you know and love us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, ruler eternal, whose light divides the, na- divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ our God. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, almighty and everlasting creator, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God in heaven, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's use as our prayer for mission today the prayer attributed to St. Francis. Prayer 62, found on page 833 of the Book of Common Prayer. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment, 
and light rises up in darkness for the godly. Grant us, in all our doubts and uncertainties, the grace to ask what thou wouldst have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, and that in thy light we may see light, and in thy straight path may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Assist us mercifully, O God, in these our supplications and prayers, and dispose the way of thy servants towards the attainment of everlasting salvation, that among all the changes and chances of this mortal life, they may ever be defended by thy gracious and ready help. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Direct us, O God, in all our doings with thy most gracious favor, and further us with thy continual help that in all our works begun, continued, and ended in thee, we may glorify thy holy name, and finally, by thy mercy, obtain everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I do have a few thoughts on the readings today, but I don't think I'm going to wax on quite as long as, as yesterday. Thank you for bearing with me in that, friends. So our psalm this morning is uh, one of those I struggle with. Um, firstly, I'm not sure why it's subtitled A Psalm of David for the Memorial Offering. I have in my note from the last time we read it, my personal note in the margin. Perhaps we memorialize so we don't go through there again, or go, we don't go there again. And, and maybe that's it, you know, maybe when we pour our heart out and write down our frustrations and petitions and struggles that we remember and we're not sucked back in to the same pit. You know what I mean? The commentary here says that this psalm is notable for its vivid portrayal of anguish resulting from sin and of patient waiting for healing. People have interpreted the psalmist's illness as divine rejection and therefore keep their distance. Um, in case you haven't heard me say it before, when I say the commentary, it's from uh, the fifth edition of the New Oxford Annotated Bible, which is the NRSV with the Apocrypha. It's an ecumenical study Bible. And um, I found it quite helpful. It's a good starting place, at least. You know me. I could spend my entire day <laughs> in reading and researching and discussing the scripture and other theological texts. But as we do not have the day to do that, this is a good, like, succinct starting place. So I... I 
think we can perhaps find some, some compassion for both sides here, both for the wounded and struggling, and also for those that keep their distance. I think, I think we can empathize with seeing someone who is who is struggling and who we can tell that stuff is just not right with and withdrawing. And I don't mean like if someone is exhibiting behavior that's dangerous and we withdraw from them. Um, I'm talking about uh, when someone is in a time of trial or sickness, again, not talking about contagion either. And, and we, withdraw instead of leaning in out of maybe it is kind of contagion but not but not the kind of physical contagion that we're thinking of like some kind of thought that that um I don't want to say bad luck But I think you know where I'm going. Forgive me, I can't quite find the words this morning. Um, that their misfortune would be contagious and fall upon us. And in the context of the times, people very, very often believed that misfortune and sickness were brought about as God's consequence for sin. Um, we talked about that before with the question about the blind man who sinned him or his parents. And, and I think it's notable that the psalmist here judges himself in that way and immediately goes and finds sins. And I think that particularly when we are introspective people who really want to learn and grow and do better, we can turn on ourselves inwardly like that. Um, what did I do to deserve this? Asked in a way that believes that we are deserving somehow of, of what is happening. And it's, it's a kind of arrogance, this, this particular self-blame, I think, because it gives too much power to our actions. We suffer in this world not because God is causing suffering, but because God in God's infinite love and greater wisdom than we can understand granted us free will. And the things that we do with our free will, the actions that we take are sometimes harmful to ourselves and to others. And when we feel the intense pain of being separated from God, it is because we have moved from God. God does not ever leave us. We withdraw from God. And I think that the psalmist here is trying to work through all of that and draw close again to God. And this is kind of 
the inner workings of that processing. I don't think it's intended for us to take as saying that misfortune comes from God. I don't think that's the message. I think rather, as the Psalms often are, it's, it's an emotionally laid out display of an internal process between the writer and God as the writer um, just lays everything out and works through it and begs for God's help. You know, this is, this is more about reconciliation, I think. And so I think we should come before God unafraid to lay it all out and have God help us. God, I am suffering. I don't, I don't understand. Is it because of this? Is it because of that? And, and working in, working it all out and receiving God's love. And I think sometimes we don't, we, we don't really need forgiveness because we haven't We are not seeking reconciliation as a particular forgiveness for a particular sin, um, and which makes it, I think, a little bit different than confession. There are times that God grants us, and the way we know it's God is that it is hopeful, right? It is for good. It brings us closer to God. Um, but God grants us... Um, an awareness or an awakening to something that we have done that is not, that is sinful. And then we come and we confess that and we forgive, receive forgiveness and we can move, move forward and, and often even, even further than, than before, right? It, 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 we, through the, confession and forgiveness, we, we become even closer to God. And I think that this is very similar, this reconciliatory process. But I think in here, it's not really a particular sin that the psalmist is crying out about. The psalmist is crying out about the psalmist's suffering and asking for God's healing and calling up all the things that they think could possibly be between them and God, between them and God's healing. Remove all of these things for, from me so that I can clearly receive your healing. And that, I think, is useful. And God is with us in that process. And so we need not be afraid. Our Hebrew scripture reading. From Genesis, this is one where I found the commentary particularly interesting. It tells us that this repeats, this section repeats major themes from the pre-flood period, farming, nakedness, alienation of the family, curse, and domination. So I think that's very interesting that here Noah and his family were saved so that humankind could start afresh 
and yet they are repeating the same patterns from before the flood. And I think there's a lot that we could say there about spiritual inheritance and generational sin. And I think it's notable that even the best of us, even those who God chose to save from the flood, can fall victim to those behavioral patterns passed down by our families and our greater cultures. And so I think we should take it not, not hopelessly, but as affirmation that we are human and imperfect and are going to fail. And it is through God's grace that we are lifted up and we are transform transformed. There is hope for us, just as there was hope for Noah and for his family. And, and when I say we're going to fail, I don't mean every time we're going to fail or that if we try to break the cycle, we're going to fail. That's not what I mean. I just mean in general, we're imperfect, right? We're not going to make it through life without failure. But I think it's very important to take the second chances, the millionth chances that God gives us every day to begin anew. When we get sucked back into those old patterns, it is so tempting and the enemy jumps right in and wants to call us hopeless and tell us that it's no use and we're just going to keep repeating our bad behavior and we can't break free and people don't change. And that's not true. I mean, if you look all over the world at 12-step programs, they have worked miracles for people in recovery. And we are all, in a sense, in recovery. And where other means of salvation, and I use salvation in quotes, you know, psychology, um, medicine, whatever it might be, it needs, and God can work through these means of healing, but we need God's grace and salvation and spiritual healing and restoration. And when that component is missing, I believe that our efforts are incomplete, I think is the best way to say it. Um, so my prayer for all of us is that God would gently and with compassion and great nearness to us, open our eyes to where there are, is a cycle that needs to be broken and then give us the strength and self-compassion to break that cycle, to be new, to be different, to go forth, leaving the past behind us, not tethered to it, not afraid that it's going to come after us, but in full faith and assurance that we walk with God and we have God's love and protection. The second really interesting thing about this, and it comes from the commentary again, though this text was once widely misread as describing a curse of Ham, justifying slavery of African peoples, Noah's curse here is actually directed at Canaan, 
a figure not seen as an ancestor of African peoples. And then later on, the commentator says, Many have puzzled over why Canaan is cursed for his father, Ham's misdeed. An editor may have redirected an earlier curse on Ham toward Canaan, so that the curse could help justify the conquest of the land of Canaan. And let's back up a little bit and remember that the problem with Ham's behavior is that he didn't look away. How often, because sons were supposed to protect their father, even like when he was drunk, they were supposed to protect him. How, how often have we as beloved siblings, mothers and fathers, daughters and sons, not, not looked away, not preserved each other's privacy and dignity, right? And the other two sons, they go out of their way to preserve their father's dignity. And that is, that's an hard thing, right? It's hard to do that for each other, especially as we've been talking about lately in a culture where we build our self-esteem by putting other people down, which is, you know, so we're inclined to revel in each other's indignity and fallacies. And I believe that God is calling us to something far different, calling us to help and serve each other and Our New Testament reading talks to to that where it says that the ultimate fruit of, of our having persevered, right, not given up like we were talking about, not given up but persevered on towards ever evolving spiritual maturity. Then we will, and I'm looking for the verse here, sorry. Darn, maybe it was in one of our readings from yesterday. But we will produce good fruit. And that is the full assurance to the very end. So that we will, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And one of the ways that that shows up, and forgive me for not being able to find the verse right away, is... is that we are good to each other. We are kind to each other. We are helpful to each other. We uplift each other. We show each other the way instead of blocking each other's paths. And then I believe that there's something very interesting in here in looking at how this passage has been misinterpreted and misused and also how this passage, and I'm back to Genesis again, sorry, 
and also how this passage has um, has potentially been changed by editors. I, I think we do have to remember that the Bible went through an editorial process and that process in some cases might have made the message either more or less clear or, you know, it, it's more, I believe that just as the Holy Spirit was present in those writing the Bible, the Holy Spirit was also present in those interpreting, I mean, editing the Bible, but the Holy Spirit also needs to be present in us interpreting the Bible. And I think that's why we can read the same passage several times at different seasons in our life and we get something different out of it each time. And so I think that we need to seek the text and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you seeking to show me? Let me hear, you know, as we say after each reading, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us in this context. And I truly, honestly believe that the intent of the Spirit, the intent of God, is never for us to use the text to hurt each other. And in this case, where the text was abused to justify slavery, I think we need to be really careful where we use the text to justify our actions. And I've done that myself. I've gone through the Bible looking for texts to justify my actions. And God used that because God brought me closer to God through my reading of the Bible, even though the reason I went to it was justification, which is not the way we should approach the text. I think we should approach the text asking the Holy Spirit to reveal God's word to us. So there's just a lot. Of, there's a lot of context here in our readings today, and I hope that that inspires you to dig a little deeper and to, man, and to allow God to just love on you to the point where you feel redeemed, where you know that you are beloved, and then you can... You can face anything with God by your side, knowing God's got you, right? And I just want to say quickly about our New Testament reading that I believe this whole thing is an exhortation to persevere, to keep going, to not, when we stumble, then turn away completely. Keep turning back. Keep turning back to God. Keep seeking God. Know that we're all going to stumble and fall, but don't stay down, beloveds. 
God sees us. And in God, we have hope. In God, we have supernatural strength. And often that looks like supernatural patience. (laughs) As we go forth today, may we persevere. May we be upheld. May we know fully in our hearts, in our beings, God's love for us. May we dwell in that love. And may we exhibit towards ourselves supernatural self-compassion today. May our inner dialogue become kind words to ourselves. I do believe that changing the world starts inside. That when... When we speak kindly to ourselves, it is so much easier to speak kindly to others. As my friend Dr. Maggard likes to say, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Let the wells of our beings be the living waters of Jesus Christ. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you, and you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear for our creator has made us holy, has always protected us and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.